Johnson. Johnny Evans, what a header. Oh, what an absolute cracker from Harvey Barnes. Oh, there's magic in that right boot. You're listening to Extra Time, live on LCFC Radio. Your place for all the reaction to the weekend's football. Yes, welcome to Extra Time here on LCFC Radio after a Leicester City victory. It's nice to say that again after a couple of games that, that didn't go the Foxes' way. Jerry Taggart and Tony Cotty join me for the next hour to review, but firstly the Leicester game and then some of the games that took place uh, across the Premier League at the weekend. And of course, we've got our weekend trivias and who's the Fox. So there's plenty for everybody listening and watching in to get involved with on Facebook and Twitter. Do send your comments in. I'll read some of the best ones out or I'll, I'll pose your questions to the guests here as well. Jerry Taggart, good evening. <laughs> good evening. Uh, good evening, TC. Always exactly. lovely to see you. Loving the backdrop of your lines there, by the way, my friend. Beautiful. Oh, thanks. Beautiful. Thanks. Cheers. I'll put, I'll put a show on for you tonight. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> you were at Bramall Lane, of course, yesterday, Jerry. The, yeah. the shortest trip that you have to make in a mm. season, isn't it, going to uh, to Sheffield? Yeah, about 20, 25 minutes. So a nice little stroll through uh, down the ring road, A61 to Sheffield, and it's just all fair. Yeah, fantastic. To your home... I was home. I was for, home uh, just before five o'clock. Yes. Oh, very nice Sunday for you, Tony. How about you? Were you at any football this weekend? Uh, I was, Dan. Yeah, I was. I, I had a result because I'd done Gillingham Swindon, which was the one o'clock kickoff on Saturday, and then I got home in time to watch West Ham give a good account of themselves against Manchester United, albeit a, a defeat in the end. And then yesterday, I watched Sheffield United Leicester, and then had a little glimpse at Spurs Arsenal as well. So yeah, it was quite a football-orientated weekend, I think it's fair to say there. Well, they're certainly the best weekends, aren't they? Particularly when Leicester City win, Jerry. As we've said, mm. you were there, you, you witnessed it in the flesh and, and that last-minute Jamie Vardy strike. Sheer drama, wasn't it? Uh, unfortunately, you know, when things like that happen in a game of football, everybody, you know, says the same things. You need the fans to be in there to watch it. Mm. They weren't, but... That didn't take away from the drama. It didn't take away from the celebrations on the pitch and on the sideline where, where Brendan and his staff, you know, showing their emotions after that goal. Uh, so, yeah, it was just sheer football drama. It was phenomenal to, to see. We'll talk about the goal or the other goals um, in a bit more detail later, Tony Cotty, but... Let me just pose you this question. When Jamie Bavardi was played through by James Madison, was there any doubt in your mind that he was scoring that goal? No, Dan. Absolutely no doubt whatsoever. I mean, I think when, when that sort of situation happens, you just hope yeah. that you get the right man on the end of the pass. And, you know, the right man for Leicester, as we all know, is Jamie Vardy. And he, he's so he's so confident. And what I like about him, Danny, he, he plugs on during the games and sometimes it doesn't quite happen for him. He had that great shot, they hit the post and he's probably thinking to himself, well, maybe it's one of them days, you know, it's not, we're not going to get the three points and nothing's really happened for me as a, as a striker, as an individual. But there are times when you mustn't switch off. You've got to keep alive. You've got to make that run. And he made a fantastic run. It was a brilliant pass. But as soon as he went through, 1v1 on the goalkeeper, I just went goal and, and, you knew it was coming. It was a fantastic finish. And we're at that stage, I think, with Jamie, where you you almost would expect nothing less. You you expect him to score. And that's a, that's a huge compliment to him. Larry Woodward on Facebook says, we controlled the game from first to last, deserved to win. Do you agree with that, Jerry? 
Did, did Leicester oh. control it for, for the full 90 minutes? I think there, there was probably think, no doubt Leicester would have, have lost the game, even at one all. If there was going to be either team that went on and won it, it would have been Leicester. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, they controlled the, the, the ball for, you know, larger periods uh, of the game. Sheffield United did come back in there for spells. But yeah, you've got to say that, you know, they were on top possession-wise. There's no doubt about it. If you're talking about clear-cut chances then I can't remember that many for either team to be honest not in the second half anyway obviously there was the two that hit the post in the first half yeah so if you're going on that basis and yeah you you would have to lean towards Leicester uh controlling the game uh without a doubt yeah and well let's talk about the, those two moments that hit the post Tony Cotty because again it was very similar to Jamie Vardy's goal at Bramall Lane last season where he was slipped through. Yes, this time it was on his right foot. He, he went for that near post strike, which you often see with Jamie Vardy where he just puts too much power on it for the goalkeeper in at the near post. And, and again, you thought he would have scored that, didn't you? And you thought it was going in until it hit the inside of the post. Yeah, absolutely. And then, even when it hit the post, you're sort of waiting for it to sort of ricochet across and hit the back of the net. And uh, we're, we're talking inches, Dan, aren't we? You know, you know that's the sort of fine margins in, in in terms of striking a ball like that. I mean, it was such a sensational strike. We saw not too dissimilar one from Harry Kane yesterday, didn't we? That was sort of hit the underside of the bar and went in. And sometimes it's just that little bit of luck. It's just that it, basically a few inches either way, and it makes a massive difference. It, uh, you know, Jamie done everything right. It's a fantastic strike. The power of seeing the ball go past the goalkeeper. Yeah, that was how much power was in the shot. And he's just unfortunate that the ball's come out into play. But, I mean, obviously, if, if, if that goes in, then Leicester kick on and, and probably would have won the game comfortably, really. you know. But it, it, was, it, was a, it was a great strike and it was just a shame it didn't go in. The, the, the types of results that we, we spoke about yesterday after the game, Joey, that, that when you get a last-minute winner like mm -hmm. that, it doesn't matter who it's against, whether it's against the team at the, the bottom of the Premier League or at the top or in the middle... It just galvanises you, doesn't it? Surely, as a, as a Premier League footballer, you must have been there when you scored last-minute goals yeah. in dressing rooms that it just must give you so much momentum going forward. Yeah, it was, a, it was a funny kind of game. You know, I'm just trying... I'm going back over, you know, trying to analyse and trying to, you know, remember the stuff I was saying during the game. And in the first half, it almost seemed too easy for Leicester. They, you know, at will, they were picking up every second ball. Sheffield United could not clear their lines in the first half. They were dreadful at it. And Nesser kept picking the ball up, putting the pressure on. And they were attacking Sheffield United at will in that first half. Uh, but for some reason, the ball wouldn't go in the back of the net. Now, obviously, it did. And, and Perez, you know, helped Leicester take the lead. But you're expecting Leicester to go on, kick on, get number two, and even number three by half time. It didn't happen. So then you think at half time, uh, you know, you're thinking that. You know, at half-time, lads, you know, you've got to be ruthless. You've got to be clinical in those areas. And unfortunately, they weren't up until the Jamie Vardy strike. And so that's that's why you've seen the reactions from the players that you did see and, and the staff on the sidelines. Because they knew this game could have not went all the way, but for a team that sort of controlled the, the lion's share of possession, uh, had the best chances... Uh, were the aggressor for, for most of the game, not to have won it would have been a major disappointment for Brendan and the players. Thankfully, as we said, 
that was all put to bed by Jamie Vardy. Tony, I know you worked at a lot of our games during Project Restart when, when we first did City on the sofa. And that, that game yesterday, particularly in the second half, just reminded me of, of some of those games that were so frustrating for Leicester where they, they dominated the game, as, as Jerry says, but they just weren't clinical enough. And I thought oh, it was going to be another game where it was two points dropped. But we saw yesterday what we didn't see really in, in those games in Project Restart, and that was Leicester nicking a goal right at the end. Yeah, it's so important, isn't it? and you're right, Dan. It does give the players a real boost. You know, they would have all, everyone would have got such a buzz out of that because, you know, it was a fantastic goal, it was a fantastic finish. You then get the emotion and the feelings afterwards, and then you go into that dressing room, and you've got the three points, and it makes such a big difference. You know, a lot of the big clubs won at the weekend, and you know, Leicester want to be up there with the big clubs, so you've got to get them three points. It makes a massive difference. You know. I know that um, Leicester haven't drawn a game this season, um, which is incredible in itself. But <laughs> to get those, to get that goal, to get those the, the, those three points, it makes such a massive difference. It really does. And and uh, yeah, I think you know everyone was really really pleased about it. Uh, good evening to Craig Bennett listening in on Facebook, one of our regular listeners. He says, "Evening all. Uh, so happy that we won, albeit not a great game or uh, a great display. But but again, Jerry, as we've said." doesn't really matter, does it, in the end? Yeah, and I think, you know, if you're being realistic about performances and style of football, and I think you, it, when you go through a season, I would say, especially the way Brendan likes to, to play anyway, I think you're going to expect 25 to 30% of your games to be like that, mm. probably, as many as that, where you don't <clears throat> go on the pitch and, and produce what everyone expects you to do. But as you just said, it doesn't really matter. You know, we've all been involved in those games where it doesn't matter how you're playing on the day. It's all about making sure you get the right result. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. And you can expect that again throughout this season where Leicester, well, Leicester haven't played well and lost. So, but expect them not to play well and win because of the quality they have. Well, let's hear from Brendan Rodgers then, who was understandably happy after that win yesterday. Finished the game to end what has been a tricky run of results for the team. Yes, yeah, no, I thought we deserved to win the game today. Um, you know, coming to here on the back of the, the travel in the midweek, it was going to be going to be tough. Um, but I thought we should have been ahead at half-time, played well, and then eventually, uh, as I said, we, we get the goal, hit the post a couple of times as well. So so I thought our general play was good. Uh, we had only one moment where, where Oli Burke got in. Uh, in behind us. We're disappointed with the set piece and uh, we're, we will be better on those, I think, when we get the players back because the players that we're missing, the profile of those, their height, really helps us. Uh, so we've con we conceded more goals from set pieces than we normally did uh, purely because of the profile of players that's missing, you know, tall defenders and, and whatnot. So, but we kept going, got the, got the result in the end and, uh, yeah, really pleasing. On the winner itself, that's classic Jamie Vardy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we pressed the ball well in the middle of the pitch, won it back, and then uh, and then Matter sees sees the pass so early. You know, he's got wonderful vision, lovely weight, and Jamie was away. And uh, there's not too many better in European football in that position. I was going to say, you know, you play a team like Sheffield United who defend with five behind the ball. He had a few chances to run in behind in the first half. Those opportunities didn't really come his way in the second. But if there's anyone probably in the whole of the Premier League you want to run onto a ball like that, he's your man, isn't it? Yeah, and that's why you keep him on because he might be quiet in the game sometimes, but uh, but he's waiting for that moment and that pass 
to, to go in and when he's away you see the uh, I actually thought he was going to take it a bit closer but he's I opened his body and finished it just inside the box so it was a wonderful finish Can I ask about Ayose Perez as well not only back in the team today got himself a goal yeah. but a slightly different role to how he would normally play in your side Yes yeah, we changed the system today um, play with two up front and so you get Jamie who runs in behind and Ayo can come underneath uh, yeah I thought he was excellent he's been unfortunate not to have played uh, as much uh, but the team had been doing well and it was you know some moments he wasn't in the in the squad but uh, but now I felt this was a game to to give him that opportunity and it was a really really good finish team still to play this weekend but third in the league for now do you think that's a position you can maintain going forward in this season with the workload you're likely to have well we will see it, it's such a long season I think our uh, our ambition is to finish as high as we can and um, today was a great victory for us on the back of a tough week uh, and uh, really proud of the players for the performance they put in. So, um, so yeah, they're, they're doing so well. And we'll, we'll look at the players coming back. That's really going to help us also. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, there's only 11 games gone. Brendan Rogers speaking to LCFC Radio's James <coughs> Fielden. Jerry, what did you make of, uh, of what Brendan had to say after the game? Well, <coughs> he's pretty honest, isn't he? Uh, he's softly spoken honest. He's not... Like Chris Wagner, he's a bit more brutal with his honesty, isn't he? But I think, you know, yeah, absolutely spot on. I think, you know, again, you have to you have to take in the week they've had. You know, they played on Monday night, travelled to Ukraine, played on Thursday night, travelled all the way back, play to quarter past two on a Sunday. That is not easy. And they've been doing this for the last few weeks. All right, the, the, the load hasn't been quite as bad as it has been this week, but... But that it's all culminated, it's all added up to this week being an absolute nightmare for the club. Uh, and they finished it off uh, with with a win. Obviously, there was the two defeats in between, but they finished it off with a win in the league, which is obviously, you know, the most important thing right now. Uh, then, because we're already through to the, the last 32 in, in the Europa League, then that's a massive lift for everybody. Yeah, that, that 4,000-mile round trip, Tony, can't be underestimated, really, in how difficult it must have been for Leicester. I know that, yes, there were, what, four or five players that, that were left at home, but still, it, it, it's an awful long way to go to then play in the relatively early kickoff again on the Sunday, away from home again, of course. Yeah, of course. And uh, I mean, it affects everyone as well, does it? Because obviously you've got the boys that have got to travel all the way out there. It's a long journey. You know, there were certainly players that, that played it on Thursday, that played on Sunday as well. And then, of course, you've got the players that are left behind, aren't able to work on stuff that they would probably like to work on because <laughs> not a lot of the people are around to work with them. So, you know, it does impact on everyone. And, you know, you, you've got to be mindful. We, you know, we, we spoke about it before, didn't we? We said that, you know, Leicester perhaps would take a slightly weakened team, and, which is what they did. So, you know, it's all about managing the games, managing the players. And, you know, I've got to say, I think Brendan is one of the best in the Premier League at doing that. I really do. I think he, he seems to know his players. He picks and chooses when to leave people out. Perez is a great example, you know, not being involved. And all of a sudden he's back in. Does he sulk? Does he moan? No, of course he doesn't. He gets his head down. He has a good game and scores his goal and deserved it as well, you know. And that, you only do that if you manage the players properly. Otherwise, you get the adverse reaction from them. So, you know, I think Brendan's excellent at his man management. He, he knows how to rotate the squads. James Madison's another great example of a player that was injured. You know, did he put him straight back in, you know, and then he gets injured again? No, he didn't. He gradually eased him back in. And we're seeing the rewards from that as well now. You know, James had a good game. And, and, and that's 
a lot of it is down to the manager. Yes, it's about the players. We all know it's about the players once you're on the pitch, but the manager plays a vital role in that. Yeah, tell, talk us through what Iose Perez will have been thinking as a, as a forward, Tony, when that ball dropped to him, because it, he has been out of the team for so long. He, he, his last goal was in Project Restart, so it's been a while since he's been on the score sheet. Will he have been not nervous, not worried, but do you think that's why maybe he hit the ball as, as hard as he did? He made sure he hit the target rather than trying to place it. Yeah, I think sometimes you, you, it's, it's, it's instinctive, Dan. It's hard to sort of say exactly what you would do in that position because it's all about the instinct at the time. As a forward, you know, there's many times where you want to just stroke it in the corner side for it. There's other times where you think you've got to go for power, but you make that split-second decision. But the point I'm making about Perry is that you've got to be in that right frame of mind. That, that, so, that, you know, it was relatively early in the game, wasn't it? It was about 24, 25 minutes or whatever. You're still trying to get... Your, your, your breath back. If you haven't played for a while, you're normally you're breathing heavy and you're, you're trying to keep yourself going and get in the right positions. And I, I think at a time like that, it's just about getting a good, strong contact on it, which he did. And the, the one thing I would say, Dan, just it's, it's sort of like a constructive criticism. I don't know whether Tags agrees with this. Just I, I think sometimes uh, Leicester can try and overplay a little bit. And I only say that because the goal actually came from a cross that was played in. And it was pretty much a cross that wasn't really aiming to, to give it to anyone. And they sort of misread it, the defender, it was flicked on, it came to the far post, it played back in and Perez scored. And, you know, yeah, of course, we want to see good football. And I'm not detracting from that, but I think sometimes you, you can't always get that perfect goal. Sometimes if you put the ball in the box, especially as a forward, things happen. And I think from Perez and, and Vardy's point of view, that's what you want. You want that early ball into the box. I don't know what you feel about that. Tax. No, no, I said it on commentary. I thought it was almost like it was too easy for Leicester to, to get up to the edge of Sheffield United's box. And then that's where Sheffield United, are. I'm not saying they're strong, but they've got good shape, good defensive shape, and they're pretty hard to break down. Whereas they needed to move the ball quicker, like you say, put earlier balls into the box. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a deflected shot, wasn't it, from all Brighton with, with his left foot, I think, or Madison, that found Perez. And I think, like you say, it was a split-second decision when you've not been on the pitch for you know a lot of time in the past, then you just make sure you get your foot through the ball and you hit the target and hope for the best. And I think that's what he did. Uh, but yeah, there was definitely, I definitely said that it was too easy for Leicester to get up to the edge of their box and then it was all about they were... At times, overpassing, trying to look for that little thread of pass, a la the Jamie Vardy shot. But yeah. as Tony says, it's not always it's not always going to be perfect football. You've got to get early balls in. Jamie Vardy loves an early ball. I would suspect Perez does as well. That's why he makes so many near post runs and gets so many goals at his near post. Well, let's hear from the Spaniard then, Ayose Perez. He also spoke to James Fielden after the win yesterday. I also say congratulations for you yourself back in the team with the goal and the team winning right at the end. It must be a great feeling. Yeah, great feeling. Great performance from from the lads. Very important three points after a couple of uh, defeats. The team uh, showed we mentally strong to bounce back and get uh, a win over here that is always tough. So glad to be in the team again to, to be able to score. Uh, but, but as I said, important to get the three points um, and we carry on. And it's actually your first goal since the previous goal you scored, which was also against Sheffield United. How good did that feel when you put the opener in? Well, obviously, always scoring a goal is a great feeling. It gives you a lot of confidence. 
Um, in that position, in that role, I knew I was going to have a, a chance and I had to, to take it. Um, so an unbelievable feeling to, to be able to score again, to be back in, uh, in the team and, and doing what I like the most. And then when Jamie Vardy was put through on goal at the end, were you and everyone else on the bench just praying that he would find the net? Yeah, obviously he's one of them strikers that he's always switch on. He's always on the game. That's something uh, very, very, very important. Um, and obviously he's always waiting for, for his chance. That's why he's uh, one of the best strikers in, in Europe. He's always uh, switch on and and the chance uh, uh, came and, and he, as usual, uh, scored a win. And when you started in the team today, more of a, a central position for you. Do you prefer playing there or wide? What suits your game better? Yeah, today we, we played a uh, um, different system as we've been playing uh, recently. Uh, feeling very, very well in that position, very, very comfortable up front with uh, Bart. Uh, dropping underneath a little bit to, to link up with uh, midfielders and mothers. So, yeah, I feel very comfortable in, in those positions, more, more, more central, more uh, cl closer to the, um, to, to the box and always getting in there. That's, that's uh, where I'm uh, very good at and always uh, creating chances. Ayose Perez there, uh, again speaking to James Fielden after the win uh, at Bramall Lane there. Get a, we did actually get a bit of insight, Tony Cotty, into Ayose Perez's mindset. And I asked you what he'll have been thinking. He, he almost said it there. He, he likes to be in those central positions, doesn't he? When the ball comes into the box, he, he's in and around the goal, in that six-yard box, exactly where he was for that first goal. Yeah, I think he wants to be there. And I think Jamie Vardy wants him there. You know, I think at times, only at times, I think Jamie can be a little bit isolated. So I think playing him nearer to Jamie Vardy, it, it's definitely a better option. You know my feelings on this. I've always said I, I, I love playing two up front. I think it, it just helps. the centre. If I'm the centre forward and I've got my mate alongside me, it really, really helps me. It gives you more options. You, you can play little one-twos and link-up play together. And it also gives the back three or the back four that you're playing against, a lot more to think about. And it also can you know, give you numbers in midfield as well. And at the same time, if you push Perry's up, which they did, Leicester, you then give a little bit more space for James Madison to do what he's good at, which really you want him to be in that free role. You don't want to say to James, go here, stand there and do that. You want to just go out and play, get on the ball, make things happen. And the, I mean, the pass was sensational, wasn't it, for Jamie? But his overall game... I think he was playing with a freedom. It was great to see uh, Aosie Perez back. You know, I think he's a good player. I am a fan of his. You know, he, he hasn't been involved, but he comes back and he does a job. And, you know, that shows you the depth in the squad, really, that you can get a player to do that and perform and get his goal as well. How good was that ball from James Madison to Jamie Vardy to, to have the composure? Firstly, let's forget about the composure Jamie Vardy showed running mm. through on goal and scoring but, but for James Madison because he was almost gifted the ball wasn't he and then to see Jamie Vardy and have the composure to know in the 90th minute this is it make or break time really with the pass yeah <clears throat> it's a quality ball from a quality player and, and you know you listen to James talking afterwards about which we will do soon yeah well right good, good but I'll, I'll sort of preempt that when I say but that, that's what he's there today I'll tell you a better ball though than that ball was the ball from Iuzi Paris for a Jamie Vardy shot that hit the mm. post? Because that is a cushion pass. Whereas James's pass, even though it's 
it's it's sheer quality. Don't get me wrong, he, he can open up a bit with his passing. He can open his foot up a bit and get a bit of pace on the ball because Jamie's already made that run. Uh, if you analyse the goal and watch Jamie Vardy's run, he runs from the left, inside left position, and he's already on the move. So all James sort of knows, all I have to do is put it in the space in front of him. He will get on the end of it. It's, it's a difficult ball, don't get me wrong. But Iosi Paris's ball for Jamie Vardy's shot that hits the post, that is sheer quality. And that's what he brings to the team. Dad, you mentioned it. It's about the way to pass. The way to pass. It? It's just you know, sublime. As a forward, exactly. As a forward, you can make the run. But, you know, sometimes you see players and they smash the ball at the forward and he's got to take a touch. Mm. And by the time he's taken the touch, the, you know, the, the opportunity's gone. You know, a, a, a weighty pass into the space. And both, I agree with you. Both of them were sensational passes mm. in different ways. But it's about the way to pass because it allows the forward then to make his mind up on what he wants to do. Because if the ball is smashed into you or it hits you up the backside or something, and you, you can't ever get the ball where you want it. By the time you've got the ball where you want it to be, you invariably are going to get tackled by the defenders. But when the ball's played like into the space with a weighted pass, the forward has then got, he holds all the cards. He's yeah. got all the options. And that's what Jamie had in both instances. But the reason he had that, you're quite right, Tags, was because of the weight of pass, which was sensational. And it allowed Iosi Paris's pass allowed Jamie to get onto it full flow. He didn't have to adjust his stride. And he was able to get on there and mm. hit it first time. That is, yep. you know, as good as Madison's pass is, the weight of it, you know, obviously Jamie has to take a touch to get it in the position to shoot. But in that tight area where he was for the one he, that, that hits the post, he has to take it first time because there's too many bodies. If he takes a touch, he might take it away from goal even further. So that way to pass from Perez is top class. They're both top class. But that, for me, just edges Madison's because the way on it has to be so precise, it's unreal. A lot of love for Jose Perez for Jerry Ta from Jerry Taggart and Tony Cotty. Also a lot of love for Jose Perez on social media. Craig again says, Perez down the middle showed it can work yesterday. He looked very dangerous. And uh, Nathan says, hope Perez gets more game time in the middle. Once we are fully healthy, the rest of the league will be shaking in their boots. Uh, right, before we hear from James Madison, let's do the first of our um, extra time teasers. So you've both got one question each to answer now and two each to answer later on. Uh, Jerry Taggart, would you like pot number one or pot number two? I'll go pot two. Pot two. Your first question then is... Jose Perez's last Leicester goal came against Sheffield United during a winning project restart at King Power Stadium. What was the score that day? 1-0. One 2-1. One, one. Tony Cotter, you have a chance. Why? Tony Cotter has a chance to steal it. Don't say any more, Jerry. Can we just clarify which answer? <laughs> 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 are they both wrong? Are they both wrong? They're both wrong. They're both wrong. Are they? Right, okay, I'll go 2-0. Uh, Jerry Taggart, you've gifted Tony Cotter the first point of the night there. Uh, Tony, a chance to go 2 0 up already. I didn't say you were going to win tonight, Tom, because. <laughs> yeah, he said that from the beginning. You've just gifted him a, a real big head start. Uh, can you make it 2 0, Tony? Uh, Jamie Vardy's winner yesterday has taken his Premier League tally for the season to how many? Nine. Yeah, so it's a long way back already for, for Jerry Taggart at the moment. Tony it's Cotton. not, it's not. I, I was. 
I'd lost before it started. <laughs> I already knew that. Yeah, a 2-0 lead for Tony Cotty. There's four points uh, up for grabs uh, later on as well uh, in extra time. So do stay Not with even us. It's not even half-time. No, exactly. There's a, there's a long way to go, Jerry. It's uh, fine, you Tony. Can you can have this one on me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jamie Vardy's ninth Premier League goal then of the season, as Tony Cotty said there, was supplied, of course, brilliantly by James Madison. And the Foxes, number 10, again, spoke to our commentator after the game yesterday. James, congratulations. They're the best way to win football matches, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, fantastic feeling inside the dressing room. Um, wins just not easy to come by in the Premier League especially away from home against a team who are really fighting for their lives at the bottom every point matters because safety is such a big incentive in the Premier League so the feeling in the dressing room then if you'd just seen the lads then it's uh, they're the moments that we do this for it's, it gives me goosebumps in there you know like seeing the lads how happy we are how much we put into the game and to win it late uh, it's just a great feeling. It's just a shame that the fans weren't it. I know the away fans actually sit that end. And I remember Barnsley whacked one in on the volley last year and uh, they're the sort of winners that you remember and stuff. So it's bittersweet again, but I don't know. I've spoke about that so much. So. And we said it in commentary, you yourself have been probing all game, always trying to find that ball to slot through. And there hadn't been too many gaps there on yep. occasions. You know, they depend in numbers. When you picked up that ball and you saw Jamie Vardy, just one thing in your mind to find him? Yeah. But well, that's it. When you play teams like this, play like myself, I'm going to give the ball away. I'm going to try things that won't always come off and might come across frustrating at times. But the type of player I am, I've got to create goals and score goals for this team. And to do that, you have to take risks. If I'm a player who's just going to keep the ball and have 97% pass completion every game, I'm not going to get assists and I'm not going to create chances like I want to be doing. So when I picked the ball up in that area, it wasn't a case of maybe being safe and, and keeping the ball. I tried it a couple of times earlier on doesn't necessarily work, but I know the quality I have and the quality of the movement of Jamie Vardy that if the situation does arise, I'll, I'll try and try again. And thankfully, the way it passed was perfect. And listen, I'll, back, I'll put my house on that Jamie Vardy's going to score them. And what was the thoughts on the performance as a whole? Because you had so much of the ball in the first half. They came out a bit better in the second half. Sheffield United, limited opportunities. But I guess it was a thought in your mind that you're always going to get that chance or in your personal yeah. mind to create that chance and it was going to come in the end. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a brilliant performance. I thought it was one of our best performances because it was a different type of performance. We didn't win, we didn't score five goals like we did at Man City or we didn't blow someone away because it's a tough game from away from home. But we grinded, we went ahead, got set back and we dealt with the adversity, we, we dealt with the pressure that they threw at us. I mean, they came out better in the second half, like you said. I'm not sure they created that many chances, to be honest. They had a couple of set pieces, which we need to do better on. A uh, quick point on that, we'll, we'll give away too many too many goals from set pieces. Um, and another one today, which is disappointing. And I know the manager won't be happy with that. So, But listen, we, we, we grinded it out and we got that chance and it fouled to our talisman and, and he put it away and I had no doubt that, that was going to be the case. And that run without a win, now over, could you see that relief from the boys in the dressing room at full time? Not relief, not relief. You go through phases, like... There's going to be times where you go through tough periods along the season. It will happen again at some point. Um, we just need the club, fans, everyone to stay together. Um, and there's going to be three, four games where we don't win. That, that's football. It's tough. It's the Premier League. It's Europe. That's, that's how it goes. But um, I wouldn't say relief because I think we deserve to win the game. But I think the celebrations of joy were just at the end because late winners, like you said, um, they're the best feeling and, and, and we've got a really happy dressing room. 
That's James Madison speaking, of course, to LCFC TV after the win yesterday. Uh, let's get the uh, listeners involved then in this next bit, or the viewers certainly. We've got our, our Who's the Fox, Jerry, where we, we put a picture up and you've got to tell us who it is. Don't tell us who it is yet, Jerry, if you know it. It's a fairly easy one. We, we did one a couple of weeks ago and, and the fans struggled with it. So we've gone a little bit easier. So who is the Fox uh, in that one there? Get involved on Facebook and on Twitter. I'll read out some of the correct and incorrect answers answers as well and Jerry and Tony can have a go at guessing uh, a little bit later on. Uh, Tony we, we heard there from um, James Madison of course he's, he's certainly got a future in the media hasn't he uh, he speaks very well doesn't he James Madison. Yeah he's a good talker but yeah, I, I thought he made some good points uh, you know particularly about being brave on the ball you know I, I, I love midfield players I, I, I think there's a lot of midfield players about nowadays that almost take the soft option and take the safe option, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And yes, of course, you need someone in the team to do that, but you don't need all your midfield players to do that. You've got to have a variation. And what I do like about James is he, take, he, he, he takes chances in the right areas. He's trying to make things happen. And it's the hardest thing in the world to do in football. Not the hardest thing, because probably scoring a goal is the hardest thing, but it's one of the hardest things to do because to try and create the chances, it, it, it takes a a mental toughness that, you know, you've got to be confident in your own ability. You've got to have the belief and you, 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 you've got to get on the ball. And as soon as you get on the ball, you've got to be looking for Vardy or Perez or looking, looking to make something happen, looking for that through ball that we, we, we've already spoke about for that winning goal. You, you've got to have the vision to do that. You, you, you've got to have the vision. You've got to have the confidence. And then you've got to have the ability to, to do it as well. And James has got all of those things. He, he, yes, he's a confident lad, but there's nothing wrong with being confident, even arrogant to a degree. Slightly arrogant is not a bad thing as well, because you've got to have that belief that you can do something that other players on the pitch can't do. And I thought that was a really good point. And he touched on the defending from set pieces as well. Tags, you can talk more about that than <laughs> I ever could. You know, They've conceded so many goals. There's obviously a slight issue with that. They need to improve in that area. But, you know, James spoke very, very well there. And there was a couple of really good points. Yeah, let's talk about the set pieces very quickly, Joe, before we move on from that game. It, it, it is disappointing to see, obviously, isn't it? I think mm -hmm. a lot of Leicester fans commenting that it's at both ends of the pitch when it, when it comes to set pieces, that it's not at the level that Brendan Rodgers, I'm sure, will be hoping that it would be. No, I think, again, when you go over the goal that was conceded, uh, especially... I think it's Yuri Tillemans is, is, is picking, uh, what's his name up, who scores? McBurney. McBurney. And Good job, that's not a question later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that's a bit of an issue. You can't really expect, I know, like Bren, Brendan's already touched on the manpower isn't where he, he wants it to be as in regards to defending set pieces. Uh, but, you know, we, we can talk all day. Brendan sets his team up to defend set pieces, i.e. corners a certain way. And the people in the team to people like Tillemans deserve to try and upset the apple cart, put them off for a run, not necessarily, uh, you know, compete in the air. And then the argument is, well, why don't you get someone to go and stand on him, who is six foot three, like McBurney, and go and compete for that header? So, you know, and, and we can sit here all day and debate the pros and cons of 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 all that, but we have obviously haven't got the time. But obviously, the issue is is. That Yuri Tillemans is being asked to do a defensive role, i.e. compete with Oliver McBurney, who is clearly the best header of a ball in their team, and he's also their main striker. So you've got two big lads up front, 
in, in, in uh, McBurney. Uh, and I forgot the other Burke. guy. Burke. And obviously you've got uh, a couple of boys coming up from the back as well. Now, we may well be a man dying. We've got three big lads at the back and Fuchs, Evans and Fafana. Uh, but then where is the hate coming from to deal with the other one or two that Sheffield United uh, have? So then, you know, you can talk about doubling up, putting two on, on their extra big man, a, a, a Telemans and maybe an Albrighton or somebody like that. So I say we can sit here and, and digress and, and talk about it till the cows come home and we'll still... Been on the wiser, but definitely there is an issue there, and one of the issues probably is you should match or you could match people up, i.e., Johnny Evans or McBurney, something like that. And the argument could also be that when Wilfred and Didi returns, that will yeah, certainly help with, with both attacking and defending set pieces. Uh, the win at Sheffield United yesterday wasn't the only Leicester City game that took place. LCFC women rose to the top of the FA Women's Championship Summit for the first time ever with a 3-0 victory over London Bees at Farley Way Stadium. Goals from Natasha Flint, Paige Bailey-Gale and Millie Farrow secured the win. Here's manager Jonathan Morgan and he was understandably delighted with the result. Yeah, thrilled with that. I think it was a very good performance from us and um, it's nice to get a, a win straight after the international break. Two weeks with no game. Um, I thought the girls were fantastic today. I think they applied everything we worked on in training and in all honesty, I think we could have had a few more goals if we were a little bit um, more clinical in front of goal. And four wins on the bounce as well. Yeah, no, it's brilliant, isn't it? So four wins on the bounce, um, I think it's fully deserved with the way we've been playing and we've only been looking better and better each week. Um, all we can keep doing now is just focusing on our next game, our next challenge, um, keeping our feet on the ground, staying humble and making sure that we um, put all the effort in come Tuesday back at training. And the scorer of the third and final goal yesterday for LCFC women was Millie Farrow and she spoke about sitting on top of the table. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, we won't be complacent though. I mean, it's a long season so anything can happen but definitely nice to sit at top now. And that's the first time Leicester City have ever been top of this division as well. So it shows the real progress that's being made. Yeah, 100%. I think this season was always going to be the season that kind of defined that. Um, so it's a really positive, really positive for the club, positive for Jonathan and, and everyone that's involved, really. And just finally, it's your first season here, of course. How are you finding it? No, I'm really enjoying myself, yeah. Uh, it's a different challenge um, and I've, I've really got into it. So hopefully it's just onwards and upwards, really. Yes, congratulations to Millie Farrow and LCFC women who are top of the FA Women's Championship. Uh, Leicester City men's team, of course, they're top of their Europa League group. They play AEK Athens on Thursday, hoping to secure that top spot. Tony Cotty, all they need to do is match Braga's result in the other game against Zoya. But from a Leicester point of view, really, it's, it's win the game at home and, and you know you're top of the group. It doesn't matter what, what Braga do in the other game. Yeah, I think again, Brendan's got to get the balance right, hasn't he? You know, from you know working out what team to play on Thursday. You know, big game coming up against the Brighton team on Sunday, which is going to be a tough game because they're you know they they've got some good players, Brighton. So he's got to get the balance right, Brendan. Um, yes, of course, he he wants to oh, he wants to win the, on the... Thursday. There but, we go. Got you back. Yeah, of course, he wants to win the game on Thursday, but. Um, you know, it's important that they they qualify. They've already qualified, so you know, I I think it. I, I'm thinking. I'm looking at the game. I'm thinking. Yes, you want to win the top. You want to be top of the group because you then get a more favourable draw. But in the grand scale of things, 
I think they've got to be looking towards Sunday. They've got to be looking towards their, their Premier League position, which is obviously absolutely vital. They're in a great position at the moment. They, they, they've just got back into winning ways. So I think it's a case of like seeing how the bodies are, where you are injuries fitness-wise. They do exactly what Brendan's been, been doing with all the games so far. Pick a team that is good enough to win the game, which I'm sure he will do, but have Sunday's uh, game in mind. Do you agree, Jerry, with, with what Tony had to say there? Yeah, I think he'll make some changes. I think he'll keep all his big guns on the bench and bring him on if he needs to. Uh, I think he'll want to win the game, for sure. I think he'll want to finish top. Uh, it's unfortunate, obviously, that it's had to go to the last game to get that way, but obviously it's, it's slightly advantageous to finish top. So I'm not, <clears throat> what I'm saying is you could probably see the majority are of the, the <coughs> lads that played out in, uh, in Ukraine. In Ukraine. Maybe starting the game uh, with one or two, one or two uh, changes, and obviously the likes of Vardy uh, and one or two other, as I said, the big guns sitting on the bench, getting ready, you know, to come on if they are needed. So, yes, he may go with Plan B, but he can always revert back to Plan A if things don't go according to plan. Yeah, I guess it helps Brendan Rodgers and Leicester City that obviously this game is at at home mm-hmm. at King Power Stadium. Yeah. So. Even if you have the likes of Jamie Vardy, whether he starts the game or whether he's on the bench, it doesn't matter about, you know, if he's on the bench and Leicester win 3 0, he doesn't come on, he's still had the rest. Whereas, obviously, if they'd have taken him to Ukraine, he wouldn't really have had the rest because no. of, of the travelling that was involved. There. Absolutely. You know, it's a, it makes a massive difference for this game, the last game to be at home. And, I, and obviously, there is something riding on. There's something riding on every game. I also agree with what Tony says. He'll obviously have one eye. On, on the game against Brighton and improving Brighton. You know, Brighton are a decent outfit these days, you have to say. Uh, so that, that won't be an easy game. But I think w- what we've seen in the past is that more often than not, the, he has the, the balance of the size he puts out in this Europa League has been pretty assured. Uh, Tony, do you think that... Obviously, Brendan Rodgers will have hoped by this stage of the competition that they would have already secured top spot. I'm, I'm talking particularly after winning those opening three games. So, obviously, he will be disappointed that it, it's gone to this final game. But I think if you offered any Leicester fan or offered any Leicester player or Brendan Rodgers at the, the beginning of the Europa League campaign, all they need to do is win their last game at home against the team that are bottom of the, the table to win the group that are taking it, certainly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. And, you know, as you say, you're playing the bottom team. It's, it's a game that Leicester would expect to win. Uh, I've already said they will make a few changes to the line. We all know that. We rest key players. We all know that. But the bottom line is, you know, they've qualified. And when, when you set out in any competition, you, you set out, you, you, your aim is always, always to get into the next round. You get into the next round and then you worry about it then. You know, we're, me and Tags and our boys back in the days, we had many a time where you get a, a way tie or whatever but you 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 only worry about it you when you've got to get through to the next round they've done that already Leicester and and, and I'm not you know saying that we they want to be complacent I'm not saying they want to go into the game and not want to try and win the game of course they do but they've already achieved their their objective the objective was to get into the last 32 Leicester have done that already and they need deserve congratulations for that they just need to go and put the icing on the cake now try and get that win you know against an AEK team that you know, they've already had a result against anyway already. So there's no nothing to fear. Go out, win the game, finish top of the group. But if they don't, they're safe in the knowledge they've already qualified. And also, you've got to think about 
you know, what's bigger and better for Athens as well? They can't qualify, can they? No. So they're out. And who do they play after they play Leicester on Thursday? Have they got a big game in their league coming up on the Sunday after they travel here? You know, they travel to Leicester. So maybe they're thinking, well, we can't qualify. Do, do we want to risk getting one of, some of our top players injured or something like that there? Because we might have a massive game at the weekend. So you've so they've got questions to answer as well, Athens. Yeah, Athens play the team that are 11th uh, in the uh, Super League in Greece. That's out of 14 teams. So a, a team mm-hmm. that are just above the relegation zone. They've also got a game in hand, AEK Athens. So if they win that, they go to within a few points of top. So as Joey Taggart says, they might have one eye on their game at the weekend. Uh, we can move on from Europe, though. Uh, final point uh, can go to Craig on Facebook. He says he agrees with Jerry Taggart and it will be. It, it is amazing to see Leicester back in Europe and, and it will be amazing again to see them uh, in the knockout stages of a European competition. Um, let's move on then, Tony Cotter. You, you mentioned at the, the start of the show the West Ham-Manchester United game that you watched. You'll be frustrated, I'm, I'm sure, with... Well, I, I say frustrated with VAR because they, they did look to see if the ball had gone out of play and there was no conclusive evidence to suggest that it, it had done. David Moyes seemed fairly certain that it had, though. It, are you disappointed, firstly, with that and then, obviously, with the full-time result because West Ham looked so good in that first half? Yeah, they did, Dan. And uh, the one thing I'd say about the incident you're referring to, that first Manchester United goal, is what was the fourth official doing? Because surely if if you're standing on the line, are you not watching the ball? And as the ball sails over his head, are you not thinking, that's got out of play? And, you know, I, I don't know how much influence fourth officials have. I think there are times when they seem to have lots of influence. If something happens on the sidelines, they certainly let the referee know. So if... If you're looking at a ball that's gone out of play, if you think it's gone out of play, would you not say to the referee, I think that's gone out of play? So I don't know. You know, Until we get uh, a touchline technology, we've got goal line technology, which is fantastic, but until we get a touchline technology where you know whether the ball's gone out of play, you know, you're know, you going to win some, you're going to lose some. It was unfortunate because West Ham, as you quite rightly said, they played really well. It's the best they played. Their last three games, they hadn't played very well and they've won all three games. And this game, they play, actually played really well against Manchester United and didn't get anything. But that's football, isn't it? That's just how it works. You said you uh, you managed to see a bit of the Spurs-Arsenal game as well, Tony. And classic Jose Mourinho, wasn't it? And another fantastic result. Son and Youngman, Son and Harry Kane look frightening up front. Oh, they're, they're fantastic, aren't they? You know, it's an incredible combination they've got. Um, you know, again, if would it be different if the if the fans were in? watching that game because Tottenham fans similar to West Ham fans and other clubs have always been brought up on playing good football attacking entertaining football and especially if you're at home they don't want to see almost 10 men behind the ball and playing as a counter-attacking team and I just wonder if the fans would have got a little bit agitated had they all been in that stadium they wasn't of course and and because of that you know Spurs you know they, their game plan was fantastic it, it, they, they just put men behind the ball, they know on the counter-attack, a bit like Leicester have done over the years, you've got wonderful players going forward, so you just defend, you defend well, and when you go on the break, you get the goals. I mean, the two goals were both sensational, weren't they? Mm. But I just wonder if the fans had been in that stadium, would they have been, you know, on the players' back, you know, attack, 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 and all that sort of stuff? Would they, 
it might have been a little bit different. But listen, you can't criticise Spurs. Mourinho is a great manager, top of the league. You can't really argue with it. Well, on that point, uh, Rich, who's uh, running our social media this evening, has sent me a very handy tweet. Uh, it says, we witnessed a Jose Mourinho masterclass against Arsenal, Jerry. Mm-hmm. And it has uh, that, the, the average pitch map for all the Spurs players. Every <laughs> single one of them, their average positions is in their own half. Yeah. That, that includes, obviously, Harry Kane and, and Son. Listen, if it was good enough for Leicester in 2015-16, I'm sure it's good enough for Jose Mourinho and Tottenham in 2020-21. You know, everybody, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Right? And every manager has their own philosophy on how the game should be played. And sometimes you get ridiculed, as he did at Manchester United for playing a similar type of football. We go 1-0 up and then we sit behind the ball and we defend and we don't get out of our own half. And to a certain degree, he's doing exactly the same at Tottenham, but they're winning. And they're winning it because, it's like Tony said, their front line is as good as any in Europe. I mean, but yeah, when you've got players that are in form, the way that they are in form and the way they're just literally setting so, each so, other up for every single goal, so, those two. So what else do you need to do? Exactly. Apart from not concede. And that the players play. And that's what the players are doing for Tottenham at the minute. Those three front guys for them, they are playing some serious good football and they're scoring some serious goals as well. So forget about the rest. As long as you're not conceding, Son, Kane, whoever else they have up, up top are always going to have a chance of scoring a goal and getting you over the line. And that's all that matters. It'd be quite interesting to get both of your thoughts on this. What are we now? Um, 11 games into the Premier League season. Tony Cotty, one word answer. Who will win the Premier League? Hmm. I've really thrown that one right at you, haven't I? No, 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 I've said before on the show, and I think I'll say it again, I don't think City or Liverpool will win. I think Chelsea got a great chance. Personally, I don't really want to see Tottenham win because as a West Ham fan, that's not going to be good for West Ham fans. But listen, they've got a great chance. They really have. It's an unusual season. Uh, listen, if Leicester get their act together, mm. as in <clears throat> consistently winning games, Leicester have got a chance as well. They, you know, there's a lot of clubs that will really fancy their chances. Manchester United can only get better because they've been sort of inconsistent. I, I'd love to answer the question in one word, Dan. Hmm. I haven't because <laughs> I just don't, I don't think you can. I'm tempted to give you a point, Jerry, for the, the quiz. If you can give me one answer, there you Liverpool. go. Jerry thinks Liverpool. I, I, I always said Liverpool will win it again. Now, there is a few issues, obviously, with injuries at Liverpool. Obviously, to their, you know, Van Dyke is obviously a massive loss. You know, as, as Gomez is out, and so, but Alexander Arnold's back. Uh, is that right? Yep. Yeah, he played, didn't he, at the weekend? So, yeah, I can't change my mind. I said Liverpool again. I'm sticking with Liverpool. Um, there were fans back in, in some grounds at the weekend, Tony. I'm trying to think, where did you say you were? Gillingham. Were there, were there fans there as well no, or not? No, no. no. But, the, but, but there certainly was at, at West Ham and, and those games in London. And, and it is, it's great to see. Touchwood, hopefully we'll see them here at, at Leicester very soon. But it, it's just great to see. And it's great to hear proper fan noise, not the, the, <laughs> the ones that the TV uh, stations put yeah. out, but the fake crowd mm. noise. Yeah, I, I'm, listen, I think it's really frustrating at the moment because you look at West Ham Stadium, it's, it holds 60,000 people. Surely, if it's safe enough to have 2,000 sitting in there, surely you can increase the capacity to 10 or 15,000 or whatever it, it might be to get more fans in, to make a better atmosphere. That has to come. We know it's got to be done at the right time, you know, the government permission, etc. Dan, but, you know, look, it... it 
it's a start. And I think that's mm. the way to look at it. You know, is it ideal? No, of course it's not. But it's a start. And we've got to get to the stage where all grounds have got fans of some, you know, some sort of capacity. Leicester, obviously, and many of the other teams up north and that. They, they need to be able to bring the fans back when it's safe to do so. It's a start. Let's get the fans. Let's get it rolling. Get the bandwagon going. And eventually, touch wood, when we get the vaccine, we'll be back to normal, hopefully, by the end of the season. Yeah, it's a start, Joe, and things mm. seem as though they're starting to ever so slightly inch back to normality. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously it's a pilot scheme at the minute. Tony's just mentioned that, you know, you're allowed 10%, mm. they are up to a certain amount of fans, and if that goes well, then they may well increase the number of fans in. You know, we, what can I say? What can I add? Like, Tony, you've got a feel for the fans. Like, we're in a really privileged position that we go and watch the games. And, you, you know, you've got to be mindful of that. But on the other side of that, you know, you have to say that without the fans, just take Vardy's goal yesterday, win and go. With a packed stadium, Leicester fans behind that goal when Vardy strikes. I mean, you can just imagine the scenes that would have took, took place of that, mm. you know, you can just run, run it through in your head. What would have happened if there had been fans in for that Vardy goal yesterday? It would have been mayhem. And obviously, pure silence from the other end. Which would have been I, added, but, I'm sure, by Jamie yeah, Vardy. I, I, he may have but, done you know, like And obviously, I've got to be mad because I was there to watch it. Yeah. And it was still sheer drama with no fans in. But you just try and picture the scenes if there had been fans. You, you talk, there would have been a pitch invasion. <laughs> We've had a shadow of it out. Uh, right, let's get uh, our Who's the Fox back up on the screen. We'll give uh, people a little bit more time to try and have a guess who it is. We've had a number of correct answers on Twitter, uh, so well done to those guys there. Uh, you guys listening in on Facebook, you need to up your game because no one's got it right there. Uh, Jane guesses Fafana. It's definitely not Fafana. Uh, Craig um, isn't sure. He says, is it Barnes? It isn't Harvey Barnes either. Um, Jerry, who do you think not, it is? Not got a clue. You've not got a clue? Not got a Scooby-Doo. There's a few clues there, if you look in the background. Tony, do you know it? Um, I'm going to guess oh. Ian Acho, but no, I'm guessing. No, Ian Acho is wrong. Jerry, has the penny dropped? Yeah, they're obviously in Portugal, aren't they? Braga's, or is it? Yeah, no, they're in Portugal, because there's no... So Port there's your cue. Uh, clue, rather. Yeah. Who scored the goal? It was Harvey Barnes that scored the goal, but obviously it's not Harvey Barnes. Luke Thomas? No, they were two that did score the goal. Uh, Paul oh. Paul on Facebook guesses All Brighton, and we finally got a correct answer on Facebook. Well done to Nathan Leo. Uh, I'm going to put you all out of your misery. Know, so. It's Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy, yeah, yeah scoring ah. the equaliser in the 3 3. Um, you both worked that game, didn't you, for, for yeah. Matchday Live and yeah. LCFC yeah. Radio? But you, you've forgotten it anyway. You've got lots of stuff on your mind, I'm sure. Well done, What's Craig. He eventually guessed Vardy. But yes, well done to Nathan Leo for getting Jamie Vardy right. Let's hope that you've certainly, Jerry, can up your game a little bit for the oh. final few questions for our uh, extra time teasers. Tony Cotley already has a, a 2 0 lead. I can't see Jerry turning that round, but you never know. So Strange things going have first. Tony is going first this time with his question two. Uh, so, Tony, your question two from pot one is, who beat Barcelona 2-1 at the weekend? Absolutely no idea. Um, Barcelona, uh, uh, 
Sevilla. I don't know. Your screen went as blank as your mind, I think, there, Tony, as oh, well, no. when you were trying to think it was of that. No, it was, no, it was no, not, not the big teams, wasn't it? It was a smaller team, wasn't it? And I, I still don't have a clue. I can't remember their names. I'll, I'll go Sporting Hee-Haw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was Cadiz. Cadiz, Cadiz. there you go. Yes, who have had a couple of, of great games. results, the, the Minnows in yeah. Spain this season in La Liga. Uh, who is currently top of La Liga? That is your question to Jerry Taggart. Real Sociedad Passes over the turning Answered down Sevilla No, it was Real Sociedad for for a time It's now Atletico Madrid Who have a couple of games in hand I nearly got it right you nearly got it right. I nearly got it right. Yeah, well, because well, they yeah, were so at some point. Top, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just <laughs> a, a few weeks out, but uh, yeah. yeah, no. Uh, right, Jerry, you need these final two yeah. to send it to the tiebreaker. Um, Jerry, it's you to go first, isn't it? Yeah. So your pot number two, third one is Juventus and Barcelona face off in the Champions League tomorrow, which means we could see Lionel Messi versus Cristiano Ronaldo again. How many Ballon d'Ors have the pair won between them? 11. Spot on. Boom! Spot on. Lionel. Did you predict No idea. <laughs> but he's got it bag on. Yeah. Boom! Lionel Messi has won six of them. Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, five. Uh, Tony Cotti, your third and final one is uh, in the Champions League group containing Inter Milan, Real Madrid, Borussia Mönchengladbach and Shakhtar Donetsk. Which team is top of that group heading into the final game during this uh, Champions League game week? Read them out again, Dan, quickly, please. Inter Milan, Real Madrid, Borussia Mönchengladbach and Shakhtar. Uh, It might be Shakhtar. Jerry Taggart from absolutely nowhere has the chance to uh, Real Madrid to draw later on. It's a one in three chance this, right. Jerry. So it's Inter Milan, Real Madrid, or Munchen Gladbach. I can't be Gladbach, surely, but I'm gonna go. I'll go Inter. Gladbach. Oh, <laughs> never. It's Gladbach, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look how this funny. I thought from nowhere you'd pulled it back there, Jerry. Oh dear. I was, you know what? Really it's one of those trick, trick questions, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh Oh well. Yeah. I knew it would lose tonight, Tony. I knew it. It's all right. <laughs> Yeah, so we, we may see Real Madrid in the Europa League. That's an mm. interesting one. They've got a huge game this week in their final Champions League group. Uh, before we go, I'll very quickly uh, run you through the World Cup qualifying uh, stages because uh, they've been drawn. Uh, so England uh, are drawn with Poland, Hungary, Albania, Andorra and San Marino. So you'd fully expect them to go through there. Uh, Scotland have Denmark, Austria, Israel, Faroe Islands and Moldova. So Kasper Schmeichel will be facing Scotland. Uh, Wales uh, will play Belgium, Czech Republic, Belarus and Estonia. And finally, Northern Ireland, Jerry Taggart. It looks difficult for them. They've got mm. Italy, Switzerland, Bulgaria and Lithuania. 
Walk in the park. Walk in the park. There we go, Jerry Taggart. <laughs> he has the <laughs> utmost confidence in his nation to qualify for the World Cup. Uh, that's all we've got time for an extra time. Thanks to Jerry Taggart. Thanks again, of course, Cheers, to Tony uh, Cotty. Uh, we'll see you all again for Match Day Live on Thursday for the Europa League game at home to AEK Athens. So do join us for that one.